Welcome to the Get Offset Podcast. My name is Andrew. And my name is Emily, and we are coming at you from the smoke-filled, hot-as-hell Pacific Northwest. It was really fun, like, as a kid, like, watching movies about climate disaster. It's like, oh, yeah, that looks like the visual effects are insane. And, like, now just, like, I'm just on the other side of the camera because the camera's my phone. And it's kind of depressing. No, yeah. And we were just coincidentally drinking. Like, I I made this cold brew overnight. What are you drinking? Um, I'm drinking a protein cold brew that I bought from the store. Yeah, we we just sit down and we're coincidentally drinking them both out of mason jars. Yep. My mason jar is quite large. I think this is a liter. This is just a 16-ouncer. What's This says it's three and a half cups. But it's the size that's double. I don't know. Actually, I don't know. I just assumed it was a liter. It looks like eyeballing it that it could be. Who knows? I don't. I I thought those were usually done in ounces, but I don't. I don't. I don't. I've lost track of metric and imperial. And at a certain point, I stare at it and say, "Yeah, that should wake me up." I got these for for meal prep. Uh, I've done like prepped. burrito bowls in these and you fit everything except for the lettuce in them but i was supposed to fit the lettuce in them too and so i did like rice chicken like toppings cheese and i look i'm like ain't no lettuce fitting in these sure fair enough fair enough i've also been doing food prep lately yeah i don't really enjoy the food prep i'd rather just like have one one pot one skillet wonder kind of meals right yeah not my because I'd, I'd rather not spend like two hours even on a sunday prepping a bunch of stuff but like i i get the appeal yeah i mean so i've been trying to you know eat quote unquote clean whatever that means um well it's been working it has been working yeah. um but like if I don't bring lunch to work, that means I end up eating it like the cafeteria or whatever, which means like burger and fries. Yeah. And that's not nearly as good as like if I brought in what I've been bringing in. Um, so I, I, I got uh quinoa salad from Costco because it was on sale last weekend. Oh, it's like, it like $8 for like a big old quinoa salad with like a lot of tomato and cucumber. It's actually really good. Yeah. Um, and then I've just good. been bringing a bag of sous vide chicken. Because I've started turning into that guy. Yeah. Chicken breast, protein. Yeah. All right. Good for um, you, dude. Yeah. So it's paying off. I just weighed in yesterday. At the first time at under 200 pounds. And like, I don't have an exact period of time, but it's been a year and a half, maybe two years since the last time I weighed that low. Well, congratulations. So, yeah. Hard work paying off. I know you've been waking up early and going to the gym and stuff, too. About six o'clock-ish every morning. It's a lot of work. Which makes Saturdays my sleep-in mm-hmm. days. So I'm still waking up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's not too or It's, you know, thank you for waking up. I appreciate it. <laughs> I, I slept in a little bit today as well. My knee is starting to, to heal. I think I'm going to start doing some... uh Shadow boxing next week, nothing hard, not actually hitting, not actually hitting the bag. I, I tore my meniscus, uh, cartilage and meniscal, meniscal cartilage in my knee. Uh, so, um, that was about six weeks ago. 
So then we're going to do some slow uh, shadow boxing next week. Um, maybe a little four, four rounders uh, just to see how that goes. And got to scare the ghost up. away somehow. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I ain't afraid of no ghosts. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, so maybe just no weights at first. I have some little two pounder weights that I can uh, shadow box with maybe the next week. Uh, and then just, just to light. simulate like that fifth round arms are heavy. <laughs> uh, mom spaghetti. <laughs> Is that what you're going for? No, it wasn't, but that, that works too. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, just kind of building up cause that's, you know, boxing is my, my workout of choice. It's basically, you know, high intensity interval training because yep. you're, you're on for three minutes, you take a break for one. So if you really go, go heavy, heavy at it, because they, they do have that, that those interval training classes that you can take on, on the apps that I use. Well, so, yeah, uh, I, I, yeah. I, yeah, I just kind of assumed boxing was hit training. Aha! Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Well, <laughs> that's what they always, they always <laughs> joke that it's the original hit, the original <laughs> hit, hit workouts. They always, they always do joke that. So, uh, and they mean it in both. It's, it's a pun, but it's also true. Uh, and it's always fun when, when that works out that way. Yeah. So it's cool. I, I, you know, I've, I've not gotten back to my, my normal jam. Honestly, I'm not sure I will. It's just so convenient to have it, um, in my garage. Yep. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to be able to, especially the ab stuff. I do the ab stuff more at home than I ever did at my actual gym just because I can, uh, adjust it my own way. And, uh, yeah. So, you know, that's cool. That's cool. So, um, what's new with you, dude? Any any new fun things other than uh, the hit, hitting hitting that that goal? Um, not honestly, no. I I, I worked um, part of the weekend last weekend for my day job, and so I've been I, I had like a one day weekend and kind of just have blown through the rest of this week. So now I'm waking up on my actual weekend for the first time like in two weeks and. Mm-hmm. kind of catching up, but hitting that was a huge deal. I do want to clarify. It wasn't a goal. I actually. Um, oh, that wasn't a goal, but it was, you know, um, like it's nice. I, I don't have any, maybe specific- not a goal, but like, um, what's, what's the word milestone. You got it. It is an indicative milestone that the work that I'm putting in is doing good things. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. have a, like a particular target weight that I'm trying to get to or anything. I'm just motivated to get healthy and, Part of that's going to naturally involve just getting some weight off of my joints because my knees feel old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, knee pain is um, no joke. The only thing worse than knee pain is hip pain. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but okay, then you, you just go to hip training for that. Okay. It was a really bad pun. Um, hip training, hip training. Well, as opposed to hit training. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, it like really wasn't good. Okay. Um, no, so I outside of that, <laughs> <laughs> now I've got a couple of other. Uh, what? Why do I want to say eggs in a basket? I've got a couple of other eggs in a different basket. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I've got other things cooking. There's other random, arbitrary food items that are cooking. So possibly a giveaway with Fox Cairo coming up soon. Um, kind of working out uh, something with another platform to partner with on that. 
So, yeah, but it's not final till it's final. So I'll talk about that closer when we got it, but I'm definitely in an in-between, in-between launches phase right now. Nice. Yep. Nice. Yeah. What's new with you? Well, you know, I'm just staying positive, testing negative. Uh, yeah. I think last time we talked, I had talked about my, my COVID test. I tested negative. So, testing negative. But I got, I finally got this in. Heck it's yeah. It's my Paranormal Series Cabranita Baritone. Oh, it looks so sick. Yeah, it is. Though, I didn't notice until after some people commented that they're like, oh, the Switch is really cheap. I've not had any problems with the Switch. Um, just to clarify, a couple people commented that their Switch felt really cheap. This is the one I have not had any problems with it. They said there's ones to go to the middle position. I've really, really put a, like, really tried to see if it would, I would have problems with it. I have not. They said the jack. They're like, oh, the jack is cheap. I'm like, yeah, mine's not really uh, flush. And it does, and it will tug out a little. So I, I did buy an electro socket to, repl- to replace this kind of half-assed electro socket. But like wh- when you're buying a Swire, I think you can kind of expect that the hardware is not going to be like... You, you, you're not buying you an American-made guitar. No, no. And I think that like... Like the fact that the fretwork is so money on this is what's most impressive. And I think yep. that kind of shielded me from like paying close attention to some of the hardware on it. And the fact that like there weren't really any finish uh problems with it. Like even around the neck heel, sometimes I'll see like just little like hairline mistakes in the finish. I don't really have any of these any any of those with this one. Um, nothing major, at least nothing that really would, I would notice from a distance or anything like that. Like this, I just am very impressed with this one. And this is not one that they sent me. So it's not like they're like, oh, let's send the influencer something real nice. Like I just bought this from Sweetwater. Right. Cause you, I don't, you wanted to get think- in on that as quickly as possible. And my Sweetwater guy is nice, but I don't think he particularly cares about this channel so <laughs> so i don't i don't think i don't think i impress my sweetwater person at all so i don't think he's like let's send let's send let's send her something really nice i think he's like oh yeah let's just treat this person like any other customer so you know i'm not getting sure. any special treatment there like at all um so that's pretty nice uh like so i'm just like i'm generally impressed i have it tuned b to b right now um I might change, like, I might change the the gauge if I uh, ever start playing with uh, Sue Quigley again. Because when I play with Sue, she uh, she does a lot of songs and and C sharp, and I uh, so if, um, I could play like open stuff in C sharp. Um, I would do that more because she she does uh, capos a lot. Uh, so she mm. can play in. So that's just, you know, right. there's nothing, nothing like a baritone me. on Capo 5. <sighs> yeah, people always talk about like Phoebe Bridges, like, why buy a, why buy a baritone and then, and then play a Capo? I'm like, so you can play open chords like G and stuff. And then like, like, so you can play like uh, a C without playing, without putting down that index finger. 
because that's a really nice chord. But if you want to play it up here, it's really fucking annoying. And then that reach gets really annoying. So I... When I was waiting for some of my COVID results to come back, I want to talk about songwriters really quickly. I, that I like. I was um, trying to distract myself from my COVID results yep. coming back. So I was like, I'm just going to like try to learn a guitar song because that's a great way to distract yourself. I'm going to listen to this record called Cool Dry Place by um, a woman named Katie Kirby who went to Belmont a couple years after I graduated. Um, and she has a song called Peppermint. And... And I was like, I really like the guitar like on that, so I'm going to try to learn it. And uh, it goes. And uh, and then I am like, it's definitely like this chord. But I'm like, what is she doing? And I was like, just kind of getting frustrated. I'm like, it's like she's going. I was like, what the hell is she doing? And I pulled up her audio tree session. I'm like, she's using a capo. God, why didn't I just assume she was using a capo there to get that open mm. sound? Like, oh, I was so mad at myself. I'm like, oh, think smarter, not harder, Emily, you dumb dumb. But she was very, like, I was like watching her play. I'm like, God, she's really good at guitar. Like, so it's like. Maybe it was more like that. But, like, I was like, oh, yeah. She got to find the capo. See, I haven't learned it. But it's just like, it's like, it's like working smarter, not harder, if you want to get that right. open sound. Yep. Because, like, why would you bar there if you don't have to? Right. So when whenever people are like, oh, capo, you're using a capo, it's so lazy. I'm like, no, it's not. It's a tool. And it's so are they. You know, and... it's like, ah, <laughs> wait, 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 is there drums? No, there's no drums. There's no drums this week. There's no drums. <laughs> but, um, um, no, it, it, it's absolutely a tool. Although I think it's, it's funny. I, I, so I should, I should just start like, it'd be like if Andy from, uh, you know, everyone's favorite, favorite demo or was like, Oh, you're using a guitar pick. That's so lazy. Like, imagine if Andy just started giving everyone <laughs> shit for using guitar picks, right? Or no, if everyone he... just started, if, if if everyone just started getting shit for like, someone just started giving everybody shit for like monitoring themselves while they were playing. Oh, you use me, you use you use monitors. You should just know. You should just know whether you're playing right or not. <laughs> God, can you can you imagine? No. <laughs> Use a tuner? Uh, no. You should just tune by ear always. Oh, uh, that's cheating. So, <laughs> you so think a tuner is cheating. Go ahead. When I, when I used to play for churches quite a bit, uh, when it, if I was playing rhythm, the cable got brought out all of the time. Um, Because, or sorry, other way around. Capo almost never got brought out because at a certain point, I'm like, I'm just playing chords. I can national number system this out if we have a because it's really normal. Like, you show up to Sunday morning, the singer's like, Yeah, I've got a little bit of a cough, so we're gonna need to bring down the key, like, from like A to G because my voice is kind of like raspy. And I'll just go, like, Oh, yeah, that's fine. I'll just yeah. hang on a second. All right, let's go. And I, I could like kind of roll with that if I was just playing rhythm, but on electric, I'm like, 
a lot of those parts will have open open notes, right? And they're like, oh yeah, we're gonna do, like we're gonna drop it, uh, drop it a step. I'm like, but I've got open notes in standard E. Down. And then I just get buzz rattles. So <laughs> I just forgo the open notes. Um, Tune down. Now, like, uh, and in country music, you, you'll see uh, lead players use use capos a lot because they rely on open notes so much. Mm-hmm. And that's so they'll use capos. Yeah, There's, no, they, I, I capo. Dave Rawlings, my, yeah. Yeah, my lead Dave parts would absolutely. Yeah. Dave Rawlings use capos all the time. I was like, there's just. There's so much gatekeeping in guitar that is just so laughable because then you'll see like the greatest guitarists in the world use these like crutches and you're like, (laughs) shut the fuck up. (laughs) Or like things like, uh, uh, when you, when people complain about songwriters, uh, rhyming words with themselves, like, yeah, maybe you should avoid. Yeah, you should probably just try to avoid doing that. But I think you can also know when it works. And I, I think it's also kind of a case sometimes like you should know the rules before you break them. Sure. But like obviously using a capo is not the same because it's not breaking a rule. It's just a tool. Right. It's been around for a while and like. Why not? It's pretty, yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it's another analogous argument so that you use auto-tune. All well, right. it's like, I forget who, was it, was it you or was it another friend who, when um, I was playing the Cloud Titty guitar, was like, oh, why is it going to drop D? Like, why does this, like, obvi- this B-bender guitar going to drop D? And I was like, oh, so you can play, like, Is that your cat or mine? That was mine. Okay. <laughs> that was Poppy. Poppy's a good one. Poppy said that Poppy's not in the room. I'm going to crack the door real quick and see if she wants to come and say hi. Poppy. Right, I'm well- chomping, chomping ice on Mike. She vacated the premise. She like scratched at the door and then walked away. Sounds like a cat. It it sounds like I'm about to be terrorized for the next hour. Scratch, scratch, run. Even before the um, the smoke came in because the heat was coming, Carrie will just get really uncomfortable and not really know why she's uncomfortable, and then she gets just so needy and just will yell at me for cuddles and then be like no i guess i don't want these and then get real mad at me for touching her (laughs) and i'll be like i don't i just don't know what you want i'm so sorry that this is so uncomfortable for you Um, right so after this like when it starts to get hot like they have the ac unit in the bedroom and that's definitely where we're keeping the doors closed so i don't want to take my computer up there i have some some freelance work to do so i'm just gonna like bang out some some work um, probably take a guitar up there and maybe learn some things. I learned the solo. I actually just learned all of Patty Smythe's Warrior. That's been on my workout playlist for like three years. And every time I hear it, I'm like, I need to learn this song. And then finally I learned it like this week. <laughs> and I'm really proud of myself. 
It's fun. I just love learning those '80s guitars parts. Yep. Because some because like they sound so big, and then they just. That's really fun for everybody. Right. So this week's episode of the Get Offset Podcast <laughs> is brought to you by Caroline Guitar Company. Do you want to talk about them? Talk about them. Talk Caroline about Guitar them. Company. I recommend it. If if you like Havoc, then boy, do do they have products for you. They have so many Havoc switches, and they're all so fun. Uh, the Meteore is a lo-fi reverb pedal with a Havoc switch that uh, creates some really cool feedback. And I really like being able to have some controlled feedback. Um, just be able to place it directly where you need it, be it at the end of a song or just someplace for some really cool emphasis. I really like that. The Meteore by Caroline Guitar Company. Andrew is sneezing. Andrew, get it out. Get out that smoke. Get that smoke out. Get it out. Thank you for muting. Yep. You feel better? My sinuses are now like on fire. Good God. Bless America. Yeah. Well, uh, I do want to say before we get into talking about uh, more guitar stuff, uh, one of my favorite songwriters passed away this week. Uh, Nancy Griffith actually passed away uh, the day before we recorded this um one of my favorite songs of hers is across the great divide i would implore everybody to listen to that song and just cry a little bit one of my favorite um memories of college is a dear friend of mine lindley just singing that song so um i think it's it's got one of some of my favorite lyrics ever in the song um one of my favorite opening lyrics in a song so uh yeah Uh, let's... Sorry to hear that. Yeah, you know, it kind of came out of nowhere. She was only 68. Um, let, I just want to, like, read some of the lyrics. I've been walking in my sleep, counting troubles instead of counting sheep. Where the years went, I can't say. I just turned around and they've gone away. I've been sifting through the layers, dusty books and faded papers. They tell a story I used to know, and it was one that happened so long ago. It's gone away in yesterday, and now I find myself on the mountainside where the rivers change direction across the Great Divide. Now I heard the owl calling softly as the night was falling with a question, and I replied, but he's gone across the borderline. He's gone away in yesterday, and now I find myself on the mountainside where the rivers change direction across the Great Divide. The finest hour that I have seen is the one that comes between the edge of night and the break of day, it's when the darkness rolls away. And it's gone away, and yesterday, and now I find myself on the mountainside where the rivers change direction across the Great Divide. Nancy. Yeah. There's one hitch really hard, so. Great week. Great end to a great week. Um, yeah, so... That sucks. Less but, than uh, ideal, for sure. 
Yeah, this one is, uh, yeah. This one hits like when John Prine died. Yeah. Um, I saw her at Arlington Vineyards, my friend Lindley's. I went there with my friend Lindley's family. So, um, that was really a beautiful, beautiful show. Um, cool. Uh, so what are we talking about? What are we talking about? What are we talking about today? That's a great question. There's a couple things we could talk about. First of all, uh, I'd like to just call out that I thought it was pretty cool that John Mayer sent Celise a, a silver sky. A pink one. A pink one. Yeah. If you don't know who Celise is, you best get wise. And if you don't know who John Mayer is, it's not that important. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Celise, you, you might have seen her you've pro- uh, perform on Saturday Night Live yep. with uh, Lizzo. Anyways. She was playing an SG. She's a, a Gibson, Gibson artist. Gibson, Gibson artist, primarily. Yep. She is. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, she's a, a wonderful human. And uh, yeah, and it was really neat to see that act of kindness floating around the internet. Totally. I think the smoke is getting to us. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I feel like my head's in a cloud. My, my sinuses are puffed out to dear God. Yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um... That was cool. You said that was on Instagram? Yeah, I did see that on Instagram. On the Instagrams. Instagram. Let's see. Let's see what the caption says. This type cannot be reached. Fantastic. Ooh. I love this guitar, she says. The middle pickup is particularly round, warm, yet punchy. I didn't know they were making more than one of these. Roxy pink finish matches my glasses. Okay, she is unfairly good. It's unfair. It really isn't fair. But also when I say it's not fair, what I'm really saying is I want to be that good, but without having put in... The countless hours of practice that she has. When I say unfair, I, I really actually mean unreal. It's unreal. It's unreal. Who else does she She plays with everybody. Who does she play with at Newport Bulk? Uh, Shaka Khan and Brandy Carlisle shared the stage. Does she play with Brandy Carlisle all the time? Oh, <laughs> shit! <clears throat> Brandy's from uh, Seattle. I love Brandy Carlisle. Uh, have you watched uh, This Is Pop on Netflix? Nope. You should watch the country music episode. It's actually really, really good. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the episodes are better than others. Also, did you watch the, um, do you have HBO Max? Nope. Okay. Well, Rick and I watched the Woodstock 99 documentary last night, and there, were, there was some interesting stuff in there. Like what? Uh, it was just... Ex- Spoilers, <laughs> well, one, bring it. I'm the, not going to um, have time to watch it anyways. 
the promoters were just uh, real trashy people in the end. Uh, there was, they were big uh, rape apologists. They kind of blamed the women for all of the sexual assault and really downplayed the amount of sexual assault. Um, oh. They blamed the performers for the violence. Um, they didn't take any kind of responsibility for uh, the... Like, listen, they, they picked all of these like really aggressive metal new metal, hard rock bands, and then were kind of acted surprised that the audience that that brought was a lot of kind of angry young white men. And then that act surprised that those angry young white men, when presented with like $4 bottles of water in 1999, listen, that's expensive in today's prices for bottles of water. Right. Um, overflowing porta johns, bad like heat and uh, infrastructure and tear shit apart. Like, and then are surprised like that the culture of that is resulting in violence, Uh, not taking any personal responsibility for that. Uh, Surprising. But it was one of the things that was interesting that they talked about. They did, they they did cover a lot of like the cultural um, impact of like what was happening at the time just outside of Woodstock. And they were talking a lot about how MTV and the shift that was happening at that time and how uh, it was kind of going from, uh, this was really the start of the shift from uh, MTV being very Gen X to kind of going for uh, older millennials. Yep. That, like when older millennials were young. So it was starting, it was moving from Gen X being for like these older teens to being for these younger teens. So it was kind of shifting from, um, you know, rock acts to teeny boppers and MTV seeming to have, um, this misguided sort of perception that TRL was like the UN and that uh, people who are fans of like Limp Biscuit and Britney Spears could like coexist. Right. And that's just not really how it was. Like, honestly, Limp Biscuit fans and Corn fans want nothing to do with fans of the Backstreet Boys or the Backstreet Boys for that matter. And, um, and that they did not really like, and that Woodstock was 99 was so focused on uh, Lent Biscuit and Corn and Metallica and The Offspring and the Red Hot Chili Peppers and, and most of these hard acts and literally one female act a day as if, as if to appeal to the girlfriends of these guys that they were really right. trying to appeal to is to say like, look, babe, no, like, look, you got, you got Cheryl on day one. You got Alanis on day two. You got on day two, and you got Jewel on day three. Like, look, like, come on, babe, come with. You can come. You can come. You can come. Yeah, <laughs> it's like that's like, that's like you can tell us what their mindset was. Like they had a quota, and they filled it, and um, <laughs> and they had Moby for some reason, and uh, yeah, it was just very interesting. Uh. But Sounds the, like a it, poorly it, it, executed, planned and executed type of event. Well, it wasn't diverse. There was no diversity in there. And you like you look at today's festivals that are very successful, Bonnaroo, Coachella, um, most of them that aren't marketed as like genre specific festivals. You look at festivals like Stagecoach, 
um, which is marketed as a country music festival. You look at there are like, I forget what, um, I think Insane Clown Posse has their own festival that's marketed as like a new metal festival. Like there are festivals that are marketed as genre specific and they do well as being genre specific festivals. Right. Woodstock 99 wasn't really marketed as a genre specific festival, but it was. Right. Um, and it, so it just, and then they brought in MTV and nobody there wanted MTV because they felt that MTV had, uh, turned on them or had, kind of given themselves over to like their little sisters. So they resented MTV. We're throwing shit at MTV and MTV had to get the hell out of there because Viacom at one point said, we can't guarantee your safety. You need to leave. So MTV left on day two and then on day three, I've forgotten this. Like there were literally riots and there were literally fires and uh, people tore that shit apart. Sounds like a good time. Yeah, but then you compare that to Woodstock 94, which did bring back a lot of the legacy bands, the the Dead and um, Dylan, and some contemporary bands. So it was a much more balanced event than Woodstock 99. So I kind of wonder, like, why did you completely change the dynamics? Because you look at Bonnaroo and Coachella, and there's they have legacy bands, they have contemporary bands, they have indie right. bands, they have folk bands. Like they are well-rounded festivals that have a little bit of thing for everybody. And they don't they're not trying to just just appeal to everything. Like Limp Bizkit was at Lollapalooza this year and <laughs> didn't incite riots. Right. Right, <laughs> you know. Well, at this one Limp Bizkit has just turned into a nostalgia band. So Yeah. Yeah, I mean exactly, but like I was looking at that and I'm like I don't like and like the the promoters like Fred Durst was a moron and was like inciting violence, and I'm like looking, I'm like, you guys like didn't have the infrastructure. You invited like a hundred thousand angry. I'm like, but at that point, but then charge like, them eighty dollars for a glass of milk. I'm like, I think, yeah, I think, I think you can't blame singularly Fred Durst. I don't think, I think that it was just like this whole, like, you have to look at it holistically. Right. And it was a lot of factors. It was the heat. It was on a military base. You didn't have great security. Um, you invite a lot of angry, angry, angry white people, uh, white young men. Uh, you charge them a lot of money. You don't give them great infrastructure. They're like the culture of the time was very different. They talked about how you went from these, like very um, progressive acts like Nirvana and Michael Stipe being the rock stars who were like wearing makeup, performing in drag even. And then you go to like, I I don't want to shit on Fred Durst, but like he's a great example of like frat bro kind of rock. And that's what you then go into. And that's what you're going into a lot of like girls gone wild culture and like girls gone wild. Was that Woodstock 99? Like that kind of thing. You mean to tell me that Um, hot dog water and chocolate starfish isn't progressive? (laughs) so but like you go from like that that cultural shift and that was like the culture of the time like it it, it was just like it was a lot it was it was just like a really nasty uh soup soupy mixture of just like i'm just a lot of shit going wrong i'm imagining like yeah like fall of 98 and someone like the logistics or marketing department who's just underpaid and overworked is like the the 
like the the foundation for so much of the other work that needs to get done to prepare for for Woodstock '99. They're like, you know, screw it, I quit. See how far you get without me. And now I'm just imagining like watching like the the news, eating popcorn, going, "Yep, this is why they should have paid me more." <laughs> but, yeah. Like it. Sounds- I do think if the lineup was more diverse and they just hadn't invited like just those like angry bands. Maybe yeah, but, that I mean, have festivals happened. having like the, they're successful festivals with angry bands too. So I mean, look well, at no, not, if it, look if at it not hadn't fast. if it hadn't if it hadn't just been that demographic, maybe it would have been different. If it hadn't been as hot, maybe it would have been different. Like, there's a lot of stuff you can't you can't pinpoint one thing. I think I think it just was like I don't want to say a comedy of errors because it was tragic. People died. There was a lot of sexual assault. There were at least sure. ten reported rapes. And you can just call that a drop in a bucket compared to what, like, I'm sure actually yeah. happened. Um, there was a lot of unreported stuff. It was just a miserable experience. A lot of people got hurt. A lot of people died. People died. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was tragic. It's the beta and for not, Fire Festival. Not, uh, people didn't die at Fire Festival, dude. Well, that's true. Um, <clears throat> so, but only because it didn't happen. um you know i think that it's just like the cult i'm i'm i actually feel glad that i was very i remember being very young in that culture i was 10 in 1999 i remember seeing just kind of how women were treated at that time and really not liking it and i think that just seeing that treatment of women when i was very young and seeing the limp biscuit i gotta stop shitting on limp biscuit but that was like i hated like that i hated their fan base like i really did not like the kids i went to school with who were big limp biscuit fans specifically and i didn't like how they treated women and it really shaped who i am today and i it really makes me glad to see that the culture now is a lot more progressive and i'm really happy for kids who are growing up in this culture that seems a lot more progressive especially the women uh who have you know i think a lot better role models i think for the most part, it seems a lot more fun <laughs> to grow up right now. I think you have to, you don't have to be nearly as like defensive as I felt like I had to be growing up in like middle school right. um, back then. So, you know, I, it really was, it, it was, it was kind of weird to watch that and just be like reminded of like, yeah, that was those, those were my bullies. You know, they're there. The people who went to Woodside 99, their little brothers were my bullies growing up, a lot of them. And, uh, it's like, yeah, that time, that time wasn't, it wasn't a lot of fun. There was a lot of good music. Um, the little affair kind of stuff was interesting. Um, I kind of like the idea of little affair. Uh, but I also don't really like the idea of completely separating women's music and men's music. I really just want the things to coexist. Uh, a lot more. Um, it's. I think it's great. And I've said this before to to have like safe spaces for you know uh, marginalized music to foster its own growth in a safe place that's you know maybe separate from something that could potentially be uh, harsher or sure. cruel or damaging. But ultimately, I think those things need to coexist, and I think that. Um, it needs to exist together. <laughs> and I think that, and I like how far we've come from like a Woodstock 99 where there were literally three women on the bill 
to uh we haven't actually come that far because we look at these lineups on festivals from a couple of years ago and we, the, the, the disparity is still there. It's not quite as bad, but you can still look at them and there's still movements to try to get, you know, less gender disparity. And it's still right. there. It's still not 50, 50 for most big festivals. So there's still a push to try to get that to be more equal. It's not there. But hey, you know, it's it's getting better and people are aware of it and talking about it still. So, you know, it's it's kind of interesting to see how far we've come in some places. Obviously, there's not that girls gone wild kind of vibe. I don't think music is nearly as pop popular music is not nearly as like angry and aggressive. I don't think that if you had a festival that was like just like the most popular rock bands or like because I, I like I don't think it would be that kind of vibe. Sure. But I don't know. Uh I think it would be different. But uh yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that thought. The smoke is getting to me. Smoke is getting to <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah. I do is. disagree on the angry rock band part because I I mean not fest the, is a great what? example. Like so like what the fest? whole not not fest. So for slipknot. Um not Fest is an annual uh, fest of a lot of those type of bands contemporarily that's been going on for several years. And yeah, I mean that. that Are they those... breaking shit and starting fires? No, that's my point. That's, that's what I'm saying. They're not breaking shit and starting fires. Yeah. So it's, it is different. Yeah. Yeah. Now the smoke's getting in my head. Um So you can have a festival that has those kinds of bands yes. and not have them break shit yeah. and start fires. Yeah. I think because, like, it, wasn't there a study that, like, everyone – I remember in the 80s they were like, all these kids who listen to metal, they're going to they're going to be degenerates as adults. And it turns out those kids are actually, like, really – turned out to be really happy functioning adults. They just needed an outlet. And they right. had their outlet in heavy metal. And they had their community, and that community was heavy metal. And they're – Contributing happy members of society. Yeah. And just give, give people an outlet. And sometimes all they need to do is say, just give me something to break. And, and that's enough. Just like chant that and just like rage a little and jump up and down. Sometimes that's, sometimes that's, that's hopefully that's enough for like 99% of people. It's to like feel that someone else gets that they have that feeling sometimes. Yeah. And then when they're treated badly and they have a lot of other angry people around them who are really stupid, maybe it's not great. Not great. It just, I, just, I don't think it was fair that the promoters just like singularly blamed Limp Biscuit for that. <laughs> they singularly blamed Limp Biscuit for all Oh, I'm that. sure that's like that. All right. <laughs> Like walk into the boardroom. All right, gentlemen, this is going terribly. Who can we blame? I'm just going through the set list. Um, these guys are the most likely to be the problem, so we'll just go with that. Well, Limp Biscuit was the set where they started tearing the plywood down from um, one of the towers and crowd surfing on the plywood. <laughs> That's actually pretty cool. Not gonna lie. And then Fred and then Fred Durst <laughs> was like, "I like that." <laughs> what a fucking moron. <laughs> No, I like it too. No, no, I like the thing is like 
watching it like what this is so bad like from a distance like this is so bad he's just like i like that i'm like oh my god no that's more even weight distribution for crowd surfing i mean what i see that as efficient bad bad it's bad and you're less likely to drop someone that way and you're less likely to get accidentally groped that way accidentally groped come on every single grope was purposeful i like that dexter holland from the offspring when he uh, there's actually a clip of him in that uh documentary where he said yeah i've you know, he he actually just starts going off on the guys who are groping the women who are uh, crowd surfing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he's like, I don't basically that he doesn't like he didn't like that. He's like, so next I, time you I see agree. a guy, next time you see a crowd guy crowd surfing, grab his balls. He's <laughs> like, there, there's an unspoken I'm... etiquette of like, unless the person's going to fall, like avoid avoid all of that if possible. That. Mm-hmm. And just even then, you people. just try to help catch them if they're falling into the crowd. But, anywho, I'm just saying, I see some positive benefits to plywood. No, yeah, totally, but just don't rip it down from the tower that bad. Like, <laughs> well, if we ignore <laughs> that part. Yeah, don't don't make the tower fall. Like that could <laughs> you could hurt somebody. Just, Next metal show I go to, I'm just going to show up at the door with like a you know, six by four sheet of plywood. <laughs> like, sir, you can't bring that in. I'm like, oh, wait till you see what I'm going to do with it. Uh, what? Okay. Oh, like bring if you brought own, it in from the outside. Brought it like my own. Made they sure to like, sand the edges to keep it from you know scratching people. In, in true Woodstock tradition, they also tore down the entire ass fence. Fencing around the the peace wall. I like how they call the the barrier around uh, Woodstock the peace wall. And people were like, "That's pretty hilarious. Like, that's pretty ironic to call it a like that's like that's what that's not very conducive of peace. The wall, and then people tore it down. Every single every single Woodstock a, a wall has the 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 wall preventing people from coming in has been torn down. That just sounds like a tradition to me at that point. Yeah. So, yeah. But well, uh, I recommend watching it. It was uh, horrifying and uh, educational, interesting. Moby uh, uses quite some big words in it. Moby at some points seems like an absolute asshole, but also right. And you hate to see it. <laughs> oh, God. I... Yeah, Moby is one of those people who is just like, man, you hate, you know, he's very smart and very insufferable and kind of pretty gross sometimes. He talks about like dating Natalie Portman when she was like 16 and she's like, we never dated. Like he talks about that somewhere else, like in a book or something. And she's like, ew, I was in high school and you were in your like late 20s. Yeah. Yeah, that's enough. That's enough. That's enough. That's enough Moby for today. <laughs> well, I'm officially out of coffee. I 
anything else you want to talk about? Um, after that Moby comment, I'm now just thinking about whether or not I could puke into the star successfully or if I should go find a trash can. That is like approximately a liter, so it'd probably fit. There's one point in a documentary where it's like a video footage of Moby when he gets to the Woodstock and he's bitching about his name not being on like some sort of welcome screen. And I'm like, Moby, I get it, but man, you seem like a real baby right now. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I'm actually, I'm like, I really. is a bad reputation. Jeez. Like I relate because I got really mad in college when we had to do like as a class, like as a whole class, like this big video project. And I worked so hard and actually did like way more than my fair share. And my friends were responsible for doing like the credits Yep. And they left my name out. Mm. I cried. So I relate. I was also like 20 when I cried <laughs> about this. And not like a wealthy rock like EDM star headlining Woodstock 99. <laughs> Upset that my name wasn't on a welcome banner that no one else was going to see. Yeah. People in their twenties, am I right? I said twenty, not in my twenties. I know. I'm just intentionally twisting what you said. <laughs> Man, did you see the performance on that video I did about why my guitars fell off the wall? I haven't yet. No. It's pretty good. Yeah, I'll check it out. Eleven, eleven hundred ish views. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. 55 comments. Including someone who doesn't know the definition of the word comment. No, I, I did see that someone was commenting. Uh, I saw the screenshot of the comment that, 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 uh, I'm not even sure how to classify it. It's the, that dumb joke about my deepest fear in life is that my wife is going to sell my guitars for what I told her that I paid for them. And, yeah. Um, it was like my worst dream or something like that. Oh, yeah. My nightmare. With, I was like back in my head. I'm like, oh, and I'm sure her, her, her best dream is that you die before she does. So you've got something in common. <laughs> We've got something in common. Yeah. Yep. My nightmare is my wife sells my guitars for what I told her I paid them for. Yep. Or my, my nightmare is I go out of town. My wife sells my guitars for what I told her I paid for them. I'm like, why would your wife sell your guitars when you go out of town? Yeah, that that that's a that's a different problem. <laughs> would why don't you just? But like the, the thing about There's that joke is like, like even, a disconnect. Why don't? But but every time I see that joke, I'm like, why don't you just tell her like what they're actually worth, and then say like, I one don't lie to your spouse about what you spend for things, but like right. even so, like. Why don't you just tell her you got, like, for a good deal? Like, why don't you say, oh, man, yeah, this guitar is worth $1,100, and I got it for, like, six. Why? Because, like, women appreciate sales. Just tell her you got, and, like, we, we are very familiar, like, with sales and getting things for sale. Like, we go to Kohl's a lot. We are familiar with sales. And we appreciate them. Like, I think I, I've never, 
like if you if you compliment a woman's shirt, oh man, I really like that shirt. Nine times out of ten, she's gonna be like, "Thanks, I got it on sale." <laughs> just, just play the game, dude. Jesus. Or just just be honest. Level without the game. <laughs> Yeah, no, like, that's oh, preferable. Yeah. Like, but if you're gonna be, if you're gonna tell the joke at least, because I know this guy's just obviously he's telling a shitty joke, right? So. Dude's probably not even married. <sighs> that's what I'm just telling myself now. Um, I hope he's not. I hope he's not married. But people are still impressed with that catch, though, of the guitar. Well, it was a lightning fast catch. Boxing, boxing, boxing. <clears throat> All right. My my sinuses right. are continuing to get worse. I need to go like take something for them. Yeah, I hear that. Well, uh, to everyone out there, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Thanks for understanding. Please like, comment, subscribe below. Support us on Patreon. Patreon.com/slash/getoffset. All right, ready? Bye. Bye. Bye.